Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. It is Live Music Friday, and we'll take you out of the studio into the basement of the Northampton Center for the Arts at 33 Holly, where Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra are rehearsing for their spring performance. And it's also Recorded Music Friday. UMass professor and saxophonist, or saxophonist? I never really know. I like them both. Oh, no. Felipe Sales has a new album out today, the third in a trilogy, all of which wrestle with the issue of immigration sonically, as most of the performers on these albums, including Felipe, are immigrants. But first... So you guys, you've talked about this many times. (gasps) (gasps) Oysters! Where do these oysters come from? I always buy oysters at Big Wine. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. They always have super fresh oysters. You can go, you get, they're like a each. And I almost refuse to buy oysters in a restaurant because I'm not paying $3 for an oyster. So I'm like, I know much of this, much of this really costs. So. Yeah, but don't you want the restaurant to succeed? I do want the restaurant to succeed, but I also like my bank account to succeed. Overrated. You know, we also, because this is about wine. Is it? Maybe not today. I don't, maybe not today. <laughs> um, but we thought we'd get a little fancy and do a little um, high-low competition in the Wine Thunderdome. I love it. We are here at the epicenter of my wine world in the wine bunker deep below State Street Fruit Store, Deli Wines and Spirits with the Wine Sun and the Yankee Sippa, the Wine Sun, who created the concept of the Wine Thunderdome that we've now migrated all over the place. Next week, we'll be in Lenox again at Me James Wine. So we're drinking wine in all four counties. And yeah, so we're going to drink a wine that goes well with oysters. We're going to drink two wines that go well with oysters. Because yes. that's how it works. We can't just drink, bring one wine to the Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. Only in, one in, will leave. In this case, it would be the wine versus the oysters if yeah. we only picked one wine. <laughs> I can already tell you oysters win. Did you already shuck these? Yeah, I did this just a few minutes ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. I learned how to shuck an oyster, though, for the you first did? time, which I was proud of me. Awesome. Yeah, I, got lot, I got a lot of shell in there, but... Least favorite job, working the line. The Yankee Sippo was down here with the glove on, her fancy knife. Well, yeah. I used to wear a glove now ever since my birthday incident, where I cut myself oh. and then lied about it. <laughs> and, bled, and bled out for a no, few No, I didn't, but I have a piece of oyster shell stuck in my hand still that's working its way out nicely. Oh. All right, I'm getting my oysters. All right, get your oysters, guys. Um, Consider the Oyster by MFK Fisher. She's like, so the, the preeminent, before there was Martha and all these, and before there was James Beard, mm-hmm. there was MFK Fisher. So she started the Napa Wine Library. Her, one of her most famous books is Consider the Oyster. And it's just this lovely prose about oysters, recipes. So I recommend, it's, it's a short book, but I recommend anyone picking it up. Because if you love oysters and just good living and wine, she is someone you should, she should be a guiding light. We haven't even touched the wine. We haven't opened the wine. We haven't looked at the wine. <laughs> Allegedly, this is a wine thunderdome. <laughs> this is the wine thunderdome. It's very exciting. These are great. They really are. Yeah, I, these are I love awesome. oysters. They're they're so bizarre and slippery and Some people, briny. They're and, so good for the environment, they are, too. So we, we were just saying that um, I think the average oyster drinks, which means filters, about 25 gallons of water a day. Don't That's, you feel bad that you just so, ate that one now? No, That's 25 gallons. No, and last they're really easy filtered. to grow, too. Like, yeah. coastally, like, yeah. they're really easy to propagate. Yeah. So, like, they can be great for waterways. They're great filtering. In Long Island Sound, they have that big program where they're actually using the oysters to protect the shoreline. They are completely sustainable. If you are on at your vacation home or on vacation somewhere and you buy oysters at a store, you should always try, ask where they get them. Sometimes they'll tell you to, you should put your oysters back into the ocean. 
close to where you've gotten them. So if you're eating lo local oysters, like the shells, yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. You, because it, they they will just start making other oysters. It's like magic. It's, I will put a few of them in my garden because the minerality is so great for your soil. Yeah. I knew a woman on the Cape. She would always put one or two in her um, compost thing. There's a clothing line who make clothing out of oysters. They grind them. Is up. it like um, Ariel, the Little Mermaid's yeah. outfit? <laughs> yes. I can't wait to go to the beach, Goma. Although you're not allowed to drink on that beach anymore, so they say. Oh, I never made it down to the beach to drink. <laughs> anyway, the wine Why? Thunderdome. <laughs> so uh, just about every dry white wine on earth could be said to pair with oysters, but. Why not go with a couple of French ones? Sounds Here's good to me. One with a, a lot of cachet of placeware and another one that gets a little bit of short shrift in the States, maybe not in this store in particular. Not everybody knows what Piquot d'Epinay is. It comes from the south of France. It is a white wine only, AOC. Uh, and there are... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, maybe she's, she's, maybe she's wonderful. <laughs> no, what does AOC really mean for wine snob? Ooh, what is the actual French? Appellation I know, of so. d'original contrôlé. Well, yeah, but they don't use contrôlé anymore. It's protégé. So I think everything's going from AOCs to AOPs because of um, the Euro Union. Couldn't so they go with OPP? So Piquot de Penay, I think there are six communes or cooperatives that produce Piquot. The Piquot de Penay is from the producer Moulin de Gassac. And this one is... Maybe just a little bit more elegant, also a couple dollars more, so I guess that kind of makes sense. But you should never really break the bank. Uh, this one's 12. Oh, yeah, what did so I say? 13 oysters. 13 oh. oysters. I like that. Clams. This is a wine show. We're going with oysters. 13 oysters. It smells a little minerally, which is really yeah. cool. Perfect so, for the oysters. So the Tau Lagoon is, it's, it's considered a lake, but it is has so much salinity that it's brackish, if not more so. Um, and it runs from the mouth of the Rhone all the way down to Spain. There's this little band of land in between, and that's where a lot of these, um, it just causes a barrier. So you're getting all the minerality of the ocean. The acidity is really nice. It, 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 pit pool in the local dialect means um, lip stinger. Perfect. Yeah. Pig pile on my lips. <laughs> I actually see a bottle behind you with a word on it that is immediately what I thought of for this, and it's silky. Ah, yeah, nice. I'm going to have an oyster, because I just had a sip of wine. I'll have an you're oyster. You're supposed to well, you pair it. it. Not supposed to just plow through this like there's no tomorrow because there's oysters in front of my face and I can't help myself. The oyster that is still blissfully on my palate mm -hmm. and this wine both share the most similar briny quality. It's fantastic. Mm. Wow. For a briny East Coast oyster, this is perfect. Yeah. So the second wine. Every so, oyster I eat, I'm just helping the environment. That's how I see Yeah. It. The second wine. The second wine. This is Domaine Guigen. This is from Celine and Frédéric Guigen. They own property all over Chablis. Chablis is in Burgundy. It is Chardonnay. Only Chardonnay is permitted there. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize that Chablis is actually closer to Paris than it is to the rest of Burgundy. And it, so it shares all that, that Kimmeridgean soil that often runs, it actually runs all the way from England, all the, the way from England. The is, is under the ocean and yep. come right back up and make wonderful wine in yeah. all of France. So one of the things we love to talk about about Chablis is that traditionally zero oak in mm -hmm. Chablis Chardonnay. So yeah. lots of minerality, really clean. And where the other one had lots of salinity and acidity, it's not that this doesn't have a lot of acidity, but it doesn't come out in that same spiky yeah. fashion. It's not like a pig pile on your lips, like the pig pile. <laughs> I feel middle like a sandwich. Yeah, I feel like this is a much leaner wine. One of the things we talk about when pairing food is, uh, do you want 
to juxtapose the flavors and have them really play off each other? Sweet and or, salty? Or do you want to match them up as close as possible and have them sort of combine into something new? Wondering powers activate! Shape out and eagle! And I think both are very valid methods of pairing wine. There's only three oysters left. Oh my goodness. This is the saddest part. <laughs> mm. Again, the oysters. Still winning by a landslide. Yeah, so it's- <laughs> The second combination really does do a totally different thing, doesn't yeah. it? I love what it does to the wine. I love what it brings to the oyster. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I think what you're looking at is, is this a candlelight dinner oyster moment, or is this a Saturday afternoon in the blazing sun oyster moment? Mm. And that might inform your opinion of what wine you're picking here. Definitely, but... when I illegally bring a bottle of wine to Cahoon Hollow Beach to the beachcomber this you summer, know. it's probably gonna be the pig pool, okay. We must make a decision. So oh, the people is wonderful in its simplicity. It's a stealth enclosure. It's a screw cap. You open it, you enjoy it, and you move on. Uh, there's a lot more going on with the Chablis. It's a little more complex. It's It keeps changing. It is a little bit more than double the output from your wallet. Tubman, Lincoln, Washington, Washington, Washington. Or 28 oysters. <laughs> 28 oysters at happy hour. But I think it's an easy choice for me. It's the Chablis. I'll go second. I agree. The Chablis is the better wine. My favorite wine with the oysters right now, though, the Pickpool. Oh. So I choose both, but if I have to choose for wine, it's the Chablis. I want to love this Pickpool because I just love Pickpool. I think it's a great wine. It goes with all types of seafood. But with this particular setup and the pairing of the oysters, I, I'm going to have to vote for the Chablis. So the thing is, I agree with you. Um, I'm not. He is but, Monty. But. My question is, was this a Thunderdome on which wine goes with the oysters or which wine by itself that we liked? It's kind of both at the same time. Oh, that's a good point. So that's why I voted that way. For wines drinking on their own, it's the Chablis. But with the oysters, I think I agree with you where the people is like does something with that brininess, with that salinity that I really, really love. It brought it to another level. Yeah. Yeah. I was rooting for the magic that happens in my mouth when the Chablis went with the oysters and it didn't quite happen. Mm, But I heard about the magic in your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) I get a chill all the way up and down my spine. I just threw up in my mouth. Oh, I can't say this. The sentence that was about to be said by me was the salty spike that happens in my mouth. And I can't say that after what you said. I'm so glad I'm not the one saying all this right now. I think what we're saying is in the Wine Thunderdome, the Chablis is the winner. In the Oyster Dome, the Peak Pool is the winner. Well done, sir. Well done. Everyone's a winner. Oh, God. Now now everyone gets a trophy in the Wine Thunderdome. But now we can use that hot chocolate song. Everyone's a winner, baby. That's the truth. That's the truth. Brother Tom Waits one. Everyone's a winner. Bargains galore. That's right. You two can be the proud owner of the. Glad you're in for the name. DJ goes on. Yeah, all right. The large print giveth and the small print taketh away. Let's only do our show about wines that go with oysters. I'm here for that. We found our niche market. Monty, you won't be going to other stores anymore. (laughs) Does it feel like I'm cheating on you every time I do another segment with somebody? Every time. I don't listen to those segments. I heard Joe run off and go get cheese, and I was like, well, that does it. We're up in our game. (laughs) (laughs) We're coming coming to see. We didn't ask him to get cheese. I just vanished. I came back with it. I know you didn't. We're coming to see you again next week, Joe. That is it. I walked in the office. I'm like, we're doing this. I've already recorded a whiskey show today. Ooh. Oh, guess who's cheating on who now? No, 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 no. It's not cheating if you left. I'm, in the, I'm going to re- It's all happening right in your old time slot, Yeah. Reintroduce everyone to the idea of open relationships as long as everybody knows. 
knows who's going where and when, then it's all cool. Oh, sweetie, I'm getting married. That ain't happening anytime soon. Coming up later in the show for Live Music Friday, we'll take you to where the 18 guitar and one drummer Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra are rehearsing for their spring performance. Up next, UMass professor and saxophonist Felipe Sales. His album out today is called Home Is Here, his third album with the Interconnections Ensemble, all of which draw inspiration from his fellow immigrants in the jazz community. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Friday is live music Friday here in the Fabulous 413, but today it's also recorded music Friday because Friday is now traditionally when new albums come out, and that is the case with the new album from saxophonist, composer, band leader, and professor Felipe Sales and his Interconnections Ensemble. They're going to be doing a live show in the middle of June, June 17th at Bombix in Florence. Beautiful place to see jazz. Yeah. Felipe Sales joins us in studio today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And congratulations on the album. It's always a feat getting, especially like an ensemble, into the recording studio. You deserve congratulations for getting it done. Thank you so much. It is. And when you have to deal with 20 different personalities, (laughs) (laughs) plus eight guests, (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you. That, that's a mountain there, Sisyphus. <laughs> Tell us about some of the, the band and the guests. How many of them have connections here in Western Massachusetts like you do as a professor at UMass? So I think one of the beauties of having a band like this is that is a it's a multi-territorial and multi-generational band, you know. So I have people in the band who are colleagues of mine, like Professor Jeff Holmes, and then I have people in the band who were my students here at UMass, like Kevin Grudecki or Mike Cadell. And then I have people who I've played for the last, I guess, 20 or more years together. And so it's like people who are coming from all these different times of my musical life since I've been here and from Connecticut and the Boston area and the Western Mass area and even some people from New York, you Mm -hmm. know. You're not making this sound like any less of a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Oh, it is a logistical <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> Where did you all record this, then, if you're all coming from such disparate places? We normally rehearse in Boston, which is the closest point for everybody to reach. And we were going to record in Boston, but there was a last-minute issue with studio and engineering. I don't want to get into it. But we ended up recording at this beautiful studio in Connecticut, which is a replica of the iconic Avatar studio in New York. Mm-hmm. So at the end, it was a, it was actually interesting how it all worked out, but this studio was the perfect studio for something that large. And, and also, because we were filming everything, there's actually four videos now out on my YouTube channel, and then four more coming. You know, there was multi-camera, so that was the perfect place to do it all. It, at the end, ended up being better to record in Connecticut. We're speaking with Felipe Sales, whose new Interconnections Ensemble album, Home Is Here, is out today. They're playing a show June 17th, Saturday, at Bombic Center for Arts and Equity. It seems like the name of the ensemble, Interconnected Ensemble, is kind of at the root of the music that you're making, too. When you speak about like the various diasporas you're tapping into for this album. Yeah, I think it, it, it speaks to a lot of different things. One, all the influences that come from 
different ways in which African music got into the music that we play now. I'm from Brazil, so there's that influence in the Brazilian music, and then there's the jazz part of it, and it's kind of connecting with all these other elements from African music, direct from Africa, and then there's some funk stuff, and there's all kinds of other things going in there, as well as, of course, some classical harmonies, because I love the orchestrational, and so I try to bring it all together, but also the way I write, I write in a very layered, counterpoint-based way in which lots of different things are happening at the same time. Some people say it's a little overwhelming to listen to, but I guess, <laughs> um, but it's I all interconnecting, you stuff. know? As like a math rock nerd, I love that stuff so much. Working in counterpoint is so much fun. Uh, I I consider a career in math, and then I decided for music. But it, I mean, it's all in there. It's all in there. It's still math. Our math is just abstract and weird. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Are you composing, composing this where everyone comes in and they're presented sheet music? I composed, I mean, the process of composing this was very interesting because, uh, I mean, I write all the music for the ensemble and I write it for the ensemble. So there's several things. I don't write it as a piece that then later on I'm going to expand to the ensemble. It's written for the ensemble as the instrument, but also for the people who are playing in the ensemble. So in this tune, I'm going to have, let's say, a trombone solo. I think about, you know, which trombonist in my band I would like to solo. And I have the privilege of having people I know really well, and I can feature them in what I think it would be the best light for them. But also in this project, I have eight different guests. Uh And so... The other part of what I do is I like to be talking about a lot of social issues when I'm working on my music. And this is the third part of a immigration series that started with my personal journey through lullabies that have been carried through many generations in Brazil and how I see myself ending up here. So that was the first project, was which was called the Lullaby Project. And then we move into a more political realm with the new immigrant experience, which was all multimedia interviews with DACA recipients and very intense. We actually performed that recently. And now Home is Here, which is talking to my community of jazz musicians. So I chose eight people I really admire in the jazz community who are also immigrants like myself. And we had these conversations over the time that everybody was at home during the pandemic where you could reach people out on Zoom. And I said, hey, I have this project. Let's talk about your experience immigrating to the U.S. And I would like to write a piece inspired or informed by that conversation, which is what I did for each one of those pieces. Is the music itself what's informed by those conversations, or is there actual text and words that are woven into the music? No, the music itself. So every title is based on something that somebody said, mm. right? And that title plus I have a system in which I use a combination of letters and pitches. So I took everybody's name and kind of transformed into pitch sets. Wow. And That's then awesome. That is amazing. It's <laughs> and, math. But at the same time, you know, I took the idea of the conversation and then made it into something that the music represents. So, for example, Paquito de Rivera, which is a, I'm a big fan of his music, and he's covered so much ground with playing with Piazzolla and playing with the Iraqere and playing Brazilian music and all that, and playing classical music as well. So I wanted to write him a suite that would sort of be this trip through his musical life, right? And we were talking during this conversation, during the pandemic, everybody kind of trying to figure out what was going to 
happened with the industry and et cetera. And he said, you know, one of the good things about us is that we are just musicians. We improvise and we're constantly reinventing ourselves. Mm. So I took that idea of reinvention and I played with the idea of writing like a Bach invention. But if it was like mixing that with Piazzolla and mixing that with Brazilian music and mixing that with like Afro-Cuban music. So the piece starts kind of classical. into like a tango-esque thing that he plays an incredible clarinet solo on. kind of moves into a Brazilian vibe that is sort of like chamber music with woodwinds. At the end, it turns into a big salsa thing with him playing alto. is 10 minutes long. It's like three movements, basically. And it starts very classical, consonant triads type of thing, and it ends with this big brass chords there, like somebody opened the doors of hell or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> based on the conversation, but also based on his musical life and, you know, the way I rip, I wanted to create this big journey that culminates into this end part. That is so cool. Do you ever compose for smaller components of your ensemble? Is it always the 20, always the 19 that you're composing for? No, no. It's actually, you know, the core of my ensemble is is a trio, you know, bass, drums, and piano. So sometimes we go on a road, just the four of us. I have music written for that. I have music written for a, a quintet a sextet and a septet and then the big band so for example this summer we're going to brazil on a tour to this amazing festival in the amazon and we're playing at the uh, manaus opera house with a sextet so that music is the trio plus me plus two more horn doing just sextet versions it's not the same as a big band but you know we try to make it as good as possible with six instruments as we mentioned logistics it's very difficult to get like 19 people organized to go out of the country, let alone within the country, can you to go imagine? Like my band has half as many members, and it's already hard for us. So I can't even imagine the strain. I, I know. Sometimes I don't know what I why I'm doing. It. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I listen to the results, I go, oh, exactly. "Now I know." That's why.
life. Yeah. Some I played with, some I grew up with, some I hung out with, and I thought they would be great guests in this album. And all of whom share the immigrant experience with you, all Absolutely. of which translated into music on this brand new album, Home is Here, from Felipe Sales and the Interconnections Ensemble. How many people total are in the 20. band band? Yes, yeah, with me conducting 19 people. So uh-huh. it's like five saxophone players with woodwinds, you know, all the doubles, four trumpets, four trombones. And I have a large rhythm section with piano, bass, drums, vibraphone, and guitar. Vibraphone, yes. Yes, it's a beautiful instrument. How do you find conducting versus uh, playing with the ensemble? Because I'm assuming at other points, like you get to play with them instead of just directing. Rarely. Rarely. You know, once in a while, I'll, I'll write a solo for myself in the in a <laughs> place where I don't have to conduct anything, then they're going to be all right. But I feel like my job with the ensemble is to conduct because I find it when I write music for large ensemble, I find very hard to play it because I'm constantly preoccupied and thinking about all the parts being there and everything. So over the years, I thought, you know, it, it would be better if I just conduct and then let people play and I don't have to showcase. Although in this record, I take one solo, but I don't have to showcase myself. The music is my instrument. You know, the conducting is my instrument. And I'm perfectly happy with that. You know, I'm per- perfectly happy not playing it. And just conducting. The album is out today. It's called Home is Here. Another thing, Felipe Sales, who joins us in the studio that I love about it, is that the cover art of the album is a snail. Again, hearkening back to the immigrant experience, tell us about the cover art. Yeah, it's uh, that cover art is really funny because it has a lot of a lot of layers, as, <laughs> as my music seems to be. <laughs> I thought I was going to go into mathematics or biology. I was very into biology. And I did raise escargot, mm. snails, as a kid my mom god bless her had a had a lot of patience i had a i had a escargot farm in my bedroom oh my and i had at a, at a point 200 snails in that yeah. i i bred them and i studied their life cycle and reproduction cycle they're amazing mm-hmm. you know they're very cool i always loved that kind of stuff but obviously music took over and one day i was in um, viliandi which is the countryside of estonia and i was leaving viliandi to go back to tallinn and take a boat back to finland and i was just admiring how beautiful these old houses were there were all these wooden houses they were painted these beautiful colors and i looked at this one fence that was painted blue and it had this beautiful like crackly effect and I saw this little snail going up the fence and it was just like the perfect picture and I had my cell phone with me and I went click you know took that picture and I said well, maybe one day I'll use this <laughs> and then when this album was getting ready and I was trying to figure out what is that I'm going to put in the cover of this album and I thought you know one of the things we talked about a lot as artists is the idea that home is here, but it's here now because that's where you get to your art. So in a, in a way, your art is your home. You have to take it wherever it's possible to do it. You know, you don't sacrifice that for any geographical place per se. So what would be better than a snail that carries its own house with it, you know? So we're kind of snails in a way, you know, we carry our art with us and we actually have to have patience because things can go very 
very slow. <laughs> I'll try not to think of the escargot thing that you talked about before. So yeah, they are delicious. Yeah, they, they are they really delicious. Are. I love delicious. it. So I much, couldn't but... eat my own though. That's fair. That's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> Felipe Sales is a jazz saxophonist, a professor of jazz and African American studies at UMass Amherst. The new album Home is here out today from the Interconnections Ensemble. There'll be a live presentation of this at Bombix on Saturday, June seventeenth. Thank you so much, Felipe. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Up next, more music. We'll take you out of the studio into the basement of the Northampton Center for the Arts at 33 Holly, where the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra are rehearsing for their spring performance. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. That is the warming up sounds of member one of the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, at least. We're here at the Northampton Center for the Arts at 33 Holly Street with the maestro of the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra. What's your name, sir? Ah, Joseph Ricker, here with you. For those who aren't familiar with the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, first... You've been, if you've been listening to our show, you've been hearing them in the billboards every day. Yeah, we've used the music that Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra created and your cover of Wilco's song, One Wing, as our kind of theme music for the thing that tells what's going to be on the show and for the promos. I've been a fan for a long time. But for those who have not heard of Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, what is it? Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra is a group uh, made up of anywhere between 15 and 20 acoustic, electric, classical, bass guitarists. We have a drummer as well. It's a community orchestra. It's an avant-garde, large ensemble. Um, made up of members of the community from a variety of musical backgrounds. It was the brainchild of Peter Blanchette, who uh, is famous locally for creating a guitar that he could more easily play the music of, say, Bach on. Instead of having a lute, he created an arch guitar. And you can still see him busking sometimes on Main Street in Northampton. But he's handed the baton over to you. When did you take over as maestro, Joe? I've led the group for five years now. Wow, it feels, that was a long... (laughs) Five, that was a very short five years. That's right. It's yeah. <laughs> a long, short five years. Yeah. And the people who play in this orchestra are not necessarily professional guitar players. They're all proficient guitar players, but not always professional. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We, this is an amateur ensemble. And, uh, you know, as you know, that means people who love to do it. You know, we get a handful of pro players. Uh, but on the other hand, the people who aren't pro players, in air quotes, are often just as good as the pros, you know, yeah. so so that's the way it works. But I, I mean, I can't just show up and butcher some bar chords and hope to enter the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra. Yeah. I need to be able to play at least somewhat proficiently and then learn to read music, too, even if I hadn't before, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, we um, people in this group don't necessarily come to, uh, to the ensemble with a background in playing in a large ensemble because uh, guitarists typically don't. But uh, we all learn to do it. And uh, some of us fake our way through reading music and... <laughs> And some of us memorize everything, but we all come to the same place in the end. Remembering from my classes, if you can do tab, 
you can probably get through a score pretty well as long as you can translate to like the cheats at the top. Tablature is a way of writing guitar and other instruments, music, that is not in the standard staff notation that can sometimes make it easier for certain people to learn it. But this looks like staff notation with the G clef and all of the 8th and 16th notes and all that stuff. We don't talk about tablature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that if you know. <laughs> so... But you are somebody who comes from more of a traditional musical type of theory background, right? Um, yeah, you know, um, I started playing guitar as a self-taught rock player, but quickly moved to classical guitar and, uh, you know, had a classical training. So you're not only the maestro, but you'll be playing as well, right? Oh, yeah, I always play. And so this is your <laughs> classical guitar that we see here. That's right. Yeah, we have a classical guitar section, and I'm basically a member of that section. Yeah. Do you have chairs like standard orchestras? No. Nope. <laughs> not the first you don't chair have like, the, first, the first classical chair and like the first like electric chair. That, it sounds bad to have an electric chair in your orchestra. Or Taking, super metal. Yeah, that's true. Ride the lightning. <laughs> Somebody who may be in one of the first electric chairs, there's a little bit of nepotism right now at least, in the best way with Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra. Your dad is in the orchestra. That's right. Let's, yeah. go, talk, let's go talk to your dad because he's right over here. What's your name, dad? Mark. Mark Ricker. And you are playing an incredible guitar. I'm playing the 1967 Jazzmaster. It's real pretty and there's pictures. <laughs> Which is probably responsible for me staying with the guitar and for Joe learning. Yeah, so tell me about that. You picked up this guitar when you were a young person. 13. And I started playing jazz at about 16 years of age and uh, played around this area quite a bit. And uh, Joe, always having great guitars sitting around the house, um, <laughs> Took it up, and after a few years of rocket and blues guitar, he uh, started some classical lessons, and he always had incredible tenacity, so it was a perfect fit for him. And uh, here he is today with uh, just great musical sensibilities, and it's a treat to, to see him do what he does so well here. Is it fun to be in a band with your son? It's, it's a real thrill, yes, just to see how much he can do and, and how he can coordinate a herd a bunch of cats into uh, uh, cool cats yeah, as cool it were cats, guitar blade yes. cats so yes it's been a it's been a, a great experience I've been here for four years when did you know that Joe had a gift as his father who was playing guitar since you were a kid playing this jazz master and playing jazz in the 1960s etc right I would say after he um, studied classical guitar for about two years when I knew that he was going to surpass me in my skills. Uh -huh. He Luke skywalker your Darth Vader. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. So your repertoire is really incredibly broad. How do you choose what you're going to do for your concerts? That's really my favorite part of the leading the orchestra is choosing the music um, because I have, I have a really wide-ranging interest in music and I feel like there's a lot of music out there that's really great that people don't get to hear. And uh, since this is an ensemble like no other, we have no set repertoire, and we can basically play whatever we want, or we can't play whatever we want. <laughs> um, so, so that's my favorite part. And uh, it really comes down to three things. What am I interested in right now? What am I interested in arranging? What can this group do really well? Each group is different. And uh, what is the audience going to appreciate? What's, what are they going to like? What's going to stretch their minds? And... Uh, and with those three things, I come up with our, with our wacky programs. <laughs> Do you end up doing a bit of transcription in this too? 
for the orchestra? Yeah, I, I arrange everything. <laughs> so, you know, there's nothing written for guitar orchestra, so I arrange every note that's played. <laughs> is this something that you were already doing beforehand, or is this a skill that you had to learn when you took the baton five years ago of the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra? as we are in your rehearsal space at 33 Holly, where your spring concert will be on Saturday, May 27th. Yeah, Saturday, May 27th. You can hear all this stuff we're talking about. Uh, no, I, you know, I learned, learned on the job, as it were. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what will we be hearing at that spring concert? So our program is called 800 Years. So we have a program that ranges from music written in 1198 AD. And, uh, Which for, is what? So that's music written for the Christmas Eve service at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris, 1198 AD. So this is a piece when by Jesus Perot. was still just little. Yeah, he was just a little guy. And uh, so it's a piece by Perotin. It's a, it's a four voice motet that I've arranged for this group. Ranging from that to a piece uh, that, that I wrote, several pieces that I wrote for the orchestra just recently. So that's the 800 years. And along the way, we, we make stops with uh, the 17th century Italian composer Domenico Scarlatti, modern composers Igor Stravinsky and Aram Kashaturian, and music from the rock pop world uh, from the 1960s and 1990s by the Beatles and Stereolab. Uh, it's it's going to be quite a program. That sounds amazing. Well, maybe we'll get to meet a couple of the uh, orchestra members here before. You're officially our Live Music Friday, so even though we've left our studios to bring the live music, we are still going to hear your live music, so that's pretty cool. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Who should we go talk to? Who's not busy? <laughs> this guy with the massive pedal board has been ready to go oh, yeah. since we got here. I'm the one asking the questions here. <laughs> You never know what you're getting into when you come into this room. What's your name? My name's Bob. Where are you from, Bob? Northampton. Yeah. Which guitar do you play? I feel like that's the list of questions that we need for people. It's like, who are you? Where are you from? What guitar do you play? Yeah. I, I'm in the electric section. I play a 1978 Les Paul Custom Gibson. My question to you is the run-in to your show, my wife thinks it's have goes version of one wing it is yes we confirmed that with joe and asked for the permission of the former maestro peter blanchett so and we credit you every single episode yep. what is the most challenging piece for you to play i'm going to make assumptions about your ability to play certain things given the guitar that you have and maybe you're over your hair and your clothing that maybe you come from more of a rock background but am i i could be wrong what's the most challenging piece for you to play in this i have particular difficulty with tempos that are ultra rapid ah. I like more the, uh, the slow hand the slower pieces but Joe knows that he makes us suffer through it anyway <laughs> um, but he's very good at writing parts for all of us that he knows will be good parts yeah he doesn't give you the Ingve Malmsteen solos <laughs> No, but he gives us things that are challenging so that we grow as musicians. My friend Dave and I, we've been in the orchestra since Peter started it. Wow. And how long ago was that? Do you remember? Maybe 12, 13 years ago, yeah, wow. maybe. You've got your pedal board set up. Two yeah. yeah. What's your name? <laughs> My name's Dave Freed. And where are you from? Uh, West Hartford. Nice. Oh, so you make a little bit of a trek to come to Yeah, I used to live closer, but uh -huh. <laughs> I've moved since. <laughs> Tell us about your guitar. Uh, it's orange. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Do you want to tell what kind of guitar it is? Some people are going to love it, and other people are going to judge you about it, I think. That's right, probably. Uh, it's a Paul Reed Smith Custom 24. Yeah. People who play Paul Reed Smith usually can play the Yngwie Malmsteen solos. No, no, it's not. It's not. What's one of the most challenging pieces for you? Or uh, most thing, one that you're particularly excited about? Um, well, so as for challenging, you know, uh, I think it's the piece that starts out with uh, 40 measures of rest. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> you have to sit there and just count. Yeah. And, uh, and heaven forbid if you, uh, you know, and it's, and it's around. So <laughs> it's really hard to find where, you know, like just you, you, the only way to know is by counting. Uh, and there, but there's also a lot of really great stuff uh, here that uh, is a lot of fun to play. Nice. We're looking forward to the show. Get out of your way. Step dude. on my pedal. I'm not going <laughs> to. What does this one do? What does this one do? We're going to interrupt the maestro Joe while he's tuning up again. Sorry, I have a couple of extra questions. Do you find any time period particularly difficult to transcribe? Yeah. Um, honestly, anything with lots of notes. You know, the more notes, the harder it is. Uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, I'd say the most, the hardest thing is like the purely classical, like the most quintessential classical you can imagine, Beethoven, Mozart, etc. That period, it tends to be, you know, a, a very complex, very full of notes that, uh, that, that are harder to follow for, for people who aren't with, with that background, so. And do your members often bring you songs to have as part of the repertoire? And they did, I don't want to say, are they judged because of it, or do they sometimes make it into the program? Um, you know, rarely do they make it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the maestro here. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. This is my band. I know the feeling. Yeah. yeah I no, was that guy too. I am not always that girl, but sometimes I am that girl. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Stacy Styles. I'm from Holyoke. Tell me about your guitar. Well, it's a uh, Martin, a Martin Triple O Twenty Eight. And it's the guitar that I bought myself several years ago. It was the guitar that I wanted all my life, and wow. I finally was able to buy it. Nice. And so you're in the acoustic guitar section. Yes, I am. What's some of the What's the piece that you either find the most difficult or most invigorating? You know what I like the most this program is, believe it or not, the Stravinsky, because you know Stravinsky and guitar orchestra. What could that look like, sound like? You know. So, but Joe is really amazing at putting together these short pieces. And I feel like this suite of Stravinsky pieces are like poems to me. I hear poetry. They're short. They're eloquent. They're deep. And they're not so hard to play, which actually is nice. Up next for Live Music Friday, we'll hear this 18-guitar chorus perform two songs. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. For Live Music Friday, here's a performance from the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra.
that is Canon and D written by Joseph Ricker, the conductor of the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra for that ensemble. One more for Live Music Friday from the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra. I'm pretty sure you can guess which this is. I don't know. It's pretty, pretty obscure.
the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra performing the Beatles' Dear Prudence for Us for Live Music Friday. Their spring concert called 800 Years is on Saturday, May 27th at 33 Holly in Northampton. Next week in the fabulous 413, a bishop who, like the Bible says, beats swords into plowshares. Or in this case, firearms into farming tools. We'll feature artists from the Center for New Americans who'll be showcasing their talents and celebrating the diversity of cultures and traditions that enrich our region. And an Emmy Award-winning filmmaker from Florence who is giving Western Mass a sneak peek screening of his new documentary before it makes its way nationally to PBS. Our director is Tony, meeting the bigwigs on our behalf, done. Our engineer is Betsy. It's so much easier when you're not here, Cordis. Our technical team is Bart. If you miss the tasting, you can't have any Rankin. Kara, where's your dad bod Foster? And Punk Rock Dubay. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, Felipe Salas, Eric Clapton, and Ingve Malmsteen. I'm Kalee Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. See you on Monday on The Fabulous 413.